Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Football season is already halfway through, and basketball season is now in full swing, and BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code Believe 50, B L E A V 50, to receive your bonus. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Ah, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the memes of the weekend pod here on the Take It Easy podcast, which is, of course, live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, of course, a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is week 11 of the NFL, week 12 of college football, and also the night that Isaiah Stewart tried to charge LeBron James. So we will get to all of that and more coming up on the uh, Memes of the Weekend podcast, which I guess is just more of College Football Week 12 and awarding our Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award for the week. But first, we begin with Kyle Shanahan. And this was the first foray into NFL Sunday myself, but I just found it so unbelievably delightful that Kyle Shanahan decided to start out the 49ers and Jaguars game this week with a 20-play, 89-yard drive that ends with the San Francisco 49ers kicking a field goal from the two-yard line on fourth down and one. It took 12 and a half minutes. It was the longest scoring drive of the entire NFL season. Jimmy Garoppolo did throw five passes on the drive. Four of them were completed. I thought they were going to get a penalty to set up first and goal at the one, and they would have had three more plays to potentially have a 23-play drive for the 49ers. What was funniest about this is that the 49ers score the field goal after the 20-play drive. I'm laughing hysterically in my seat. The the only thing I laughed at more this week we'll get to later on, but the other one that that came close to it was Marquez Valdez-Scantling scoring the 75-yard touchdown with Aaron Rodgers in one play before the Vikings got a two-minute drill. I just like, of course he did that. Of course Aaron Rodgers' one play just erased all the work of the Vikings' best game in the last like 15 games and that was funny but this was the hardest I laughed was kicking that field goal and just being like Kyle Shanahan why do you do dumb shit like I do think Kyle Shanahan is a better coach than people are giving him credit for it's not a great time to be Kyle Shanahan if you hear circles around the 49ers where people keep bringing up the fact that Kyle Shanahan has only had one winning season in five years and that the 49ers are in a place where they're going to clean house No, they wouldn't do that because they wouldn't have drafted Trey Lance if Kyle Shanahan wasn't going to develop him for at least a couple of years and things weren't going to go absolutely cataclysmically south. And that has not happened for the 49ers. They're still a fine football team. 
They beat the Jaguars handily today. Jaguars offense still sucks. Daryl Bevel still needs to get fired. We've been saying it every week for like six weeks now. This is going to be the thing we remember the 2021 Jaguars for. 2021 Jaguars. Why didn't they fire Daryl Bevel sooner? And Jacksonville ends up walking away in this game looking poor, but also defense just couldn't do anything against the 49ers. 49ers knew that, and they basically just said, we're just going to run the football. We're going to run 36 plays before you guys even run five, because after they go 20 plays, Jacksonville then goes three and out, gives it back to San Francisco. San Francisco holds the ball for, I believe, I think it was 12 more plays, then the Jaguars turn the ball over on the first play, and the 49ers score again, and it's 17-0. The game's over at that point. I was the idiot who decided, hey, you know who would be a good spot start tight end? Dan Arnold. Why? Because he's going up against the 49ers defense when I also have James Robinson on my fantasy team. Not the greatest move in the world. Was I going to lose anyways? Probably was, but it's fine that way. So anyways, the 49ers know they're going to win the whole way. They go into the game. They run the ball the way the 49ers do. And Kyle Shanahan still scored 27 points after the three points that took the entire damn first quarter of that game. That game was over so fast. That and the Bengals-Raiders game were over so quickly because it was just run, 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 run. 49ers, I don't even know who the leading rusher was for the 49ers. I just know they ran the ball a ridiculous amount of times. That game was so freaking weird on so many levels. And there's not that much to it other than the first drive. That would be everything you need to know about the 49ers and Jaguars game. I hope that that is the legacy of Kyle Shanahan is that one 20-play, 89-yard drive, 12 and a half minutes to start the game against the Jaguars, and it ended with three points, mostly because Kyle Shanahan does dumb shit all the time, but also Kyle Shanahan just knew it was a game over when he walked on the field, and you want to know how many rushing attempts the 49ers had today? I'll give you a second to guess here. I'll give you a second to guess. Reminder, if you listen to our NFL Monday podcast... The Seattle Seahawks ran 45 plays on offense. The Chicago Bears ran 44 plays on offense. The San Francisco 49ers ran 42 run plays. 42 goddamn run plays against the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's one of the most unbelievable things I've heard. They ran 42 goddamn run plays and scored 30 points against the Jaguars. The same Jaguars team that beat the Miami Dolphins in London and beat the Buffalo Bills two weeks ago because goddamn it, the NFL doesn't make any sense at all. So I would like to uh, take our first segment and combine it into two stories this week. We're going to split the first segment into two. Usually we have one long story we like to talk about before getting to the quick things. I want to talk about two stories here. One of the stories I want to talk about, the Florida Gators, which is similar to the podcast we did for 20 minutes last week on Kansas and Texas, which is the Texas Longhorns are now in this Florida State type of purgatory, and the Florida Gators are now in a similar position because Dan Mullen went... 34 and 15 as head coach of the Florida Gators played in an SEC championship 11 months ago. 11 months ago, Dan Mullen was in an SEC championship, and now 
He is unemployed, baby, getting ready to suit up for Oregon in a couple of months when Mario Cristobal takes the Miami job. But anyways, Dan Mullen got fired today by the Florida Gators. I guess it's yesterday when you're listening to this, but it's today when I'm recording it. But Florida Gators fired him. It was a move that was just kind of like you cannot be atrociously bad in any of these positions. So if you're, for example, the Florida Gators and you are getting shit-talked by the University of Missouri, first of all, hilarious that Eli Drinkwitz, which is one of the great college coaching names that exists, Eli Drinkwitz, he is the coach at Missouri, which is a sad program right now, but Missouri coming into this year knew they were going to be sad. Florida was in a two-point game against the University of Alabama, and Florida has just hit the hard times of being behind the curve in college football. And this is almost parallel to the conversation we had about Texas last week, which is Texas is one of these tier two, tier three programs where it might still be possible to win a championship, but we believe that they have championship expectations because we've seen them do it before. And in the case of Florida and Texas, we've seen them do it this century. Within the last 20 years, we've seen them do it. With Florida, we've seen them do it two different times within the last 25 years. If you want to talk about 1996 and 2007 and 2009, we've seen it be possible with the resources at the school. There are only right now about 12 programs that could ever possibly win a championship in college football. Everyone else is kind of like a minor league to that. And so Texas and Florida are two of these programs that teeter on the edges, and they used to be those powerhouses and now aren't there, but still have the resources where, under the best of circumstances, catching lightning in a bottle, they can achieve it again. Florida just happened to get lucky that they had Urban Meyer come through the program at the time he did, one of the three best coaches in college football. They got that lightning in a bottle chance. Texas had lightning in a bottle of getting Vince Young as a recruit, and then having Colt McCoy right after that, and having Mac Brown be a stable enough coach to keep the ship right. But as we're seeing right now with Mac Jones at, or Mac Brown at North Carolina, like Mac Brown is not like an all-time great college coach. He was just stable enough to right the ship with having Vince Young and with having Colt McCoy and the top recruiting classes Texas used to be able to get because they weren't a laughing stock. All of that to say, we've seen it before, and now these programs are at massive crossroads. Massive, massive crossroads. And Dan Mullen getting fired in part has to do similarly to the Orgeron situation. This is not similar to like Tom Herman being fired or Willie Taggart being fired, where they just fall out of love with, or in these cases, they just fell out of love with the university. Like Dan Mullen hired really bad assistants, Todd Grantham being one of them, who was the defensive coordinator for this year for one of the worst defenses in SEC history he got fired two weeks ago and then after he got fired they gave up the 48 points to Sam or the 50 whatever 42 first half points to Samford that we laughed at last week and everyone was laughing at because it's the most points Florida has ever allowed in a half of football and it happened against Sam Ford and then this week they got beat by Missouri. Missouri started talking shit to the University of Florida. And that's just the moment where we thought maybe we'd give you another chance here. But if you're getting shit talked by Missouri, it's over for you, my man. 
it is over. We can't. We cannot be the University of Florida. Not just the University of Florida. The University of Florida that only lost by two against Alabama earlier this season. We can't be the University of Florida close to missing bowl games and getting shit-talked by Missouri. That just cannot happen at all. Florida is going to finish this year at the very bottom of the SEC. It was a toxic atmosphere going on in that program, and Dan Mullen was going to be the fall guy from it, even though they tried to pin it on the assistants earlier in the week. It just kind of fell apart at the very end here for Florida, and now Florida walks away from this feeling really, really bad about themselves and trying to find some stability in the same way that Texas is trying to find a level of stability as Florida becomes an absolute goddamn meme. Because I cannot emphasize this enough. Y'all were getting shit talked by drink wits. You guys are you guys are worse than South Carolina. Worse than Missouri. Those are teams that fired their coaches within the last two years and were actively trying to stink this year. And Florida is worse than them. Do you know how insane that is? That Florida is losing to South Carolina, giving up 42 against Samford, and losing to Missouri? It's almost as crazy as Texas losing to Kansas. The idea that Florida can be worse than Missouri and South Carolina. It's unbelievable. You're getting shit-talked by Drinkwitz. It's over. It's over for your time there. Because it, it is so bad. And it is something that's going to be hard for them to come out of for the next two years. Similarly to how Clemson looked like it was going to be a program setback for two years, Florida and Texas don't even have the winning to hedge on right now. This is going to be a two-year setback for both of those programs. Maybe you could call this year year one of the two-year setback, but man, this is a brutal, brutal loss for Florida. And I guess they want to try and get in the game in a year where college coaches are available aplenty, but LSU and USC, they're going to try and gobble up some of those jobs. Now Florida wants to get in that game. Maybe it works out for them. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe they walk away with Matt Campbell for a large sum of money. Who knows? But Florida is a program setback time for one of the former premier programs of college football. It's time for five little things here on the Memes of the Weekend podcast. What were five funny things that I saw this weekend? We'll talk about them. Some quick, some short, but there'll be five little things here. So here we go. One, the Sacramento Kings. My beloved hometown Sacramento Kings, or at least my adopted hometown because I live about 15 minutes outside of Sacramento. We have spent many a days during the pandemic biking to the Golden One Center. And uh, the Sacramento Kings, ooh, they fired Luke Walton finally after a 6-11 start. They lost seven games out of eight leading up to that. They are the same team that they've been for years, which is that they will be five games out with seven to play in the Western Conference playoff picture. I want to read this tweet from Bill Simmons describing the situation, which is, in the last four years... The Sacramento Kings took Marvin Bagley over Luka, spent lottery picks on three point guards, which is disingenuous because Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox are pretty good. Then Halliburton can play shooting guard. It's a little disingenuous, but still. 
Spent lottery picks on three-point guards, froze on trading Harrison Barnes when he had value, spent actual money on Tristan Thompson, gave Bogdan Bogdanovich away for nothing. But hey, let's change coaches again. And this doesn't even include the fact that they gave up Boogie Cousins for what essentially became Buddy Heald, which is not a terrible return, but you could have gotten a lot more for Boogie Cousins. So yeah, not great times for the Sacramento Kings, although I do think the perfect end of the Luke Walton era in Sacramento will be the fact that at Saturday night's game, a fan projectile vomited onto the court, leading to a 10-minute delay in which the Sacramento Kings mascot, which is a gigantic lion, was on the floor cleaning up throw-up from someone who vomited on the court of a Sacramento Kings seventh consecutive loss, or I believe seventh loss in eight games, actually. Chef's kiss on the end of the Luke Walton era. Two. So the uh, Bears are a team that we have an embargo on. If you don't know about this, go back two weeks to the episode titled 10-Month Chicago Bears Embargo. We will not discuss the Chicago Bears seriously here on the podcast, but we will laugh at the Chicago Bears because, man, that was a funny game, wasn't it? The first half, by the way, Chicago was slowing down the Tyron Huntley-led team for the Baltimore Ravens, and they held them to six points, except the Chicago Bears scored zero points. And then they scored one time, and then Justin Fields got some bruised ribs, and we went to Andy Dalton, and Andy Dalton did the thing that Andy Dalton did a few years ago where he completed a 4th and 20 prayer for a touchdown for the Bengals to help get Buffalo to the playoffs, and then when they played in Buffalo the next year, the Bills fans gave Andy Dalton the standing ovation, and it means that if Andy Dalton were ever in a place when he's 37, can't really find a good backup job anymore, this might end up being next year potentially for him, he's always got a home down there in Buffalo that would take him as a backup quarterback for the next few years. Well, he did it again. He did it again on 4th and eleven busted coverage by the way how do you bust a coverage on fourth and 11 like pretty much the one thing is just don't let the receiver get ridiculously open 20 yards behind someone and that's exactly what happened darnell mooney got the game winning touchdown similarly to how like greg williams messed up around this time last year for the jets trying to blitz six but then one guy got caught up so it was really a five-man blitz which left henry ruggs wide open down the sidelines Kind of like that kind of screw up for Wink Martindale and the Ravens defense, but they get bailed out because Tyron Huntley led them down the field and Devonta Freeman scored a winning touchdown and the Bears fans get to be sad, but also the Bears deserve to be sad because they uh, still are employing Matt Nagy. You had the chance. You had the chance to fire him. I already said you fumigate the organization from this point. It's why we're not doing the embargo at this. We're not talking about the Bears seriously. We're only existing to laugh at them. I'm telling y'all, y'all had the chance. Just start fumigating it because the season's already lost at this point, and y'all couldn't even beat the Tyron Huntley and Ronnie Stanley list, or the Lamar Jackson and Hollywood Brown and Ronnie Stanley list Baltimore Ravens. It's a rough, rough time. It is a rough time to be a Bears fan, and we're just going to laugh at you all the way down, you shitty, shitty Bears fans. Three. Ooh, Michigan State. Did you end up giving Mel Tucker that 10-year extension? I don't even remember if it was there or not, but I sure as hell hope you didn't give Mel Tucker the six-year extension because uh, 
that would be a rough time to have that out. And it uh, looks like they have not given Mel Tucker said extension. It was only a rumor this week to try and prevent him from taking the LSU job. Yeah, I, I think that uh, Mel Tucker's idea that this is a destination job might not quite be the case because you're still going up against Ohio State, which to be fair, LSU has to go up against Bama, and that's a really hard job to take right now. But Michigan State was a more comfy job when Mel Tucker came in. Not so much because you had the um, the, the scandal going on at the school with Larry Nasser and a sexual assault by players on the team and Mark D'Antonio quietly retiring but also kind of being pushed out the door because the combination of having a 7-5 and five season and all of the controversy around himself and Tom Izzo that I thought was going to bring both of them down at a time during that investigation ends up making it so that Mel Tucker somehow has a cushier landing spot than LSU, who's totally bottoming out right now in the SEC, similarly to how Florida and Texas have bottomed out. But LSU's got the infinite resources and more recent success to dictate that that job is going to be better than Florida or Texas or USC. Seems to be a theme for a lot of these places, which is we've seen the recent success for these programs that are trying to build up national champion powerhouses Miami kind of the same case but all of that to say Mel Tucker woof I mean you're 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 gotta try and change it up at Michigan State if you do want to be worth the 10 years 100 million that Michigan State might be willing to dole out because you happen to beat Michigan in a miraculous comeback with Kenneth Walker like Maybe, maybe you find that luck again, but I think the easiest way to do that is to stop recruiting all these Kirk Cousins is to play goddamn quarterback for you because your quarterbacks are all terrible. They are 18 for 29 for 106 yards and uh, I guess 160 would be more fair, like eight yards of completion, 18 for 29, eight yards of completion, and you're going to have one touchdown, one pick, and your entire offense is going to be stagnant. Stop recruiting the Kirk Cousins as that quarterback, and maybe you can compete with Ohio State. And at the same time, great season, Michigan State. You're going to play a very good bowl game in the Cotton Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl or wherever it is you end up, and it's going to be a massive success for you guys Enjoy it while you have it. I shouldn't say that you should automatically have been Ohio State right away. Again, you were 19-point dogs coming into the game. It's just the fact that you probably should have been 29-point underdogs, given how good Ohio State has become and how you guys were clearly overachieving because Kenneth Walker is really, really good and probably should still win the Heisman. But it was a, a good run that you had, Michigan State. A great level of success. And I would just play it by ear. If Mel Tucker leaves, Mel Tucker leaves. Michigan State's still a pretty desirable job, even if it kind of like reinforces the fact that you guys are now a third-tier program, which you probably are. You guys have just done very, very well in rebuilding post-Mark D'Antonio. Four, the Houston Texans, the worst football team in the NFL, defeated the Tennessee Titans, the number one seed in the AFC. That is all. Five, so how about this fight? <laughs> the, the Lakers and Pistons had a fight where Isaiah Stewart got a really like a, a bloody eye, but a bloody like cheekbone coming out after he took a punch to the face from LeBron James, seemingly like unintentional. Like it seemed like it was relatively a basketball play. LeBron got ejected and Isaiah Stewart tried to go after my man LeBron James. Like it was a straight brawl. 
he I mean the meme is going around the internet of him like bulldozing through multiple Pistons players and staffers that he was going to go after LeBron James but there were just too many people there to prevent such a fight mostly because things had already de-escalated a little bit after they had kind of thrown it together a little bit and uh, done the baseball fight where everyone comes off the benches and uh, just kind of stands in a circle a little bit while people jab at each other. So it looked like it was going to de-escalate. You were going to have the viral video of, oh my gosh, LeBron breaking a guy's face. And then Isaiah Stewart tried to charge LeBron through seven people because that dude is like seven feet tall, 280 pounds. And of course, he's going to charge through people once he gets a little bit of a head start. Couldn't quite get all the way to LeBron, but if you haven't seen the video... It's all over the internet right now. Y'all should check it out because it was something else. It was the basketball fight that I not really wish I could see, but I just wish we had more moments that could create viral moments like this that we could laugh at. This is a healthy compromise between people who lived through malice at the palace and recognize that there are children watching, as Matt Nagy said this week around taunting calls, and the other side of it, which is, It's fun watching big guys fight each other. It's fun when the NBA has real beefs and people throwing basketballs at each other. It creates fun content that I enjoy. So this is a healthy compromise. No one actually gets hurt, but we still get the funny viral video that we can laugh at. Ah, yes, it is time for us to bestow the Kirk Cousins purgatory award for week number 11 this is also the philip rivers memorial purgatory award but kirk cousins has of course claimed the throne from one philip rivers it's very convoluted and complicated and i hate explaining it every week but i do enjoy the fact that i explain it poorly every single week even though i've now had 11 tries to explain it better and other opportunities on other podcasts to kind of explain what it is so for people new to the proceedings kirk cousins purgatory is a team who, or and a quarterback who is perpetually down eight, no timeouts, length of the field, and one minute to go. Sometimes they win, sometimes they don't. But this week we had a no-question winner from a truly putrid football game between two p- below-average NFL teams, Cam Newton. Welcome back to the NFL. You had your quick little performance against the Cardinals last week two touchdowns through four passes as you accumulate to the offense and Cam Newton while it looks like it hurt to make those throws over the middle and deep it was a pleasure to watch you work in a true Kirk Cousins purgatory down six 136 to go no timeouts and 75 yards to go we commend you for your magnificent efforts to one Cam Newton For your first win, and maybe your only win, because I don't know how long you're going to continue to be a quarterback in the NFL, congratulations to one Cam Newton. Finally, we conclude the Memes of the Weekend podcast by mocking, for the second to last time this year probably, the ACC and the Pac-12. And does this joke feel like it's beating a dead horse at this point? absolutely it feels like it's beating a dead horse and yet it delivers every goddamn week because there is always something hilarious about the Pac-12 and ACC beating each other up so that nobody is allowed to be good and nobody is allowed to make the playoff and that became official this week by Utah beating the living shit 
out of the Oregon Ducks. Oregon was the last hope for the ACC or the Pac-12 to make the playoff. Now both of them will play a meaningless New Year's Six Bowl game because for Oregon it's a disappointment. For Clemson it's going to be a disappointment. I say Clemson because Clemson just beat Wake Forest this week, so Clemson has a chance to still make the ACC championship. It's a really weird cycle going on right now in college football and the ACC and the Pac-12. But yeah, so Utah beat up Oregon. That was the notable game. We talked about that on Wired Up 95 this week, so check that out from Sunday if you have time, or just download it and leave those five-star reviews as well. So if you want the serious update on that, you can check that out. But yeah, Utah curb-stomped Oregon. That was not the only delight the Pac-12 delivered to us this week because the University of Colorado sitting at 3-7 and seven with a coach who I cannot name. is They're good for a couple of these upsets every year. They beat... I believe it was USC a little bit ago. I can't remember exactly who it was. (laughs) They all kind of blend together at a certain point. But you did have Colorado usually being good for these few wins every year. The joke about Colorado football is that they finish 6th, 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 and then they have a magical first place run every four years in the Pac-12 South because the Pac-12 South rotates every six years for who gets to win the conference title this year it's going to be utah i think utah won it a couple years ago but arizona is ass now and colorado before arizona was the most of the ass programs in college football they beat oregon state that's right i forgot about that earlier this year they beat the snot out of oregon state who by the way at the time was i believe the front runner in the pac-12 south that we'll get to them in a second because they beat Arizona State this week. Now, both teams have the same record now, so this is less cool than Utah beating Oregon or Colorado beating the Washington Huskies, who are now not eligible for a bowl game for the first time in like a decade. It's been a rough year for Washington. They're like 4-7 and seven now. Jimmy Lake is falling apart in replacing Chris Peterson. It is not good times at the University of Washington, but yeah, Colorado ended up winning in a weird like zone read 20 to 17 game Oregon State loss or sorry Oregon State beat Arizona State in another chaos version because had Utah lost to Oregon this week Arizona State would have had a chance to win the Pac-12 South but of course Arizona State lost to Oregon State it only would have been more perfect if Utah had lost to Oregon and then Arizona State it would have created chaos in the Pac-12 North instead of in the Pac-12 South. No, flip that around. Would have created chaos in the South instead of the North. It's just chaos all around in the Pac-12. That's the bottom line with these. Uh, I mentioned the uh, Clemson Tigers beating uh, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. I thought that was funny. Clemson still ends up 8-3 and three and has a chance to make the championship game after all the chaos of this year. Florida State beat Boston College coming off their win against... Miami, they are fighting one last game to try and get bowl eligible under Mike Norville in his second year. Congrats to Florida State on running off a three-game win streak. I imagine you will lose next week to whoever it is that you play because that seems to be the... Oh, they got Florida. Oh, Oh my gosh. Florida State and Florida are playing for a bowl game next week. That is beautiful. poetic justice I really 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 hope Florida State loses that football game to Florida I really hope after all this they have the ACC moment and they don't get to be bowl eligible after 
beating Boston College, beating Miami, beating Louisville just to make a bowl game, beating North Carolina at one point just to make a miraculous run for a bowl game that they would then lose to falling apart Florida. I really hope that happens. So yeah, that one went down. That was the funny game that went on in the ACC. The other teams won. Virginia Tech fired Fuente this week. We talked about that already. But that is the funny memes of the weekend podcast that we have here every single Monday here on the Take It Easy podcast where we beat a dead horse and laugh at the ACC and Pac-12. But there's only one more chance to do so until the season is officially over for those shitty, meaningless conferences. Make sure to download the Take It Easy podcast and all of the episodes in the archive You can download all 750 wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Thank you for stopping in today, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. If you have not listened to the NFL Monday podcast, check that out. If you're coming here after NFL Monday, check out Wired Up from Sunday. It's another great podcast. We do a lot of podcasts, so you guys can check out the full archive however and whenever it is that you may be listening. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.